Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of PLP Talks, where we have interesting conversations with interesting people in the bike industry. I'm your host, Russ Roca. And if you're new to this series, this is actually the podcast version of our YouTube video series. So if you like moving pictures along with word sounds, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. This podcast and the YouTube series is supported by listeners and viewers like you. So if you want more interviews like this, be sure to check out the show notes to see how you can support this series. In this episode, we interview Nam Arya. She's a fairly well-known bike packer as well as a former Blackburn Ranger. We talk about things like race and gender in the bike packing space as well as the bike industry. What's it like to be a Blackburn Ranger? What that whole process was like? As well as the ups and downs of living the dream. It's another great episode, so hop on your trainer or go out for a run or push that mouse around and enjoy. Welcome our special guest, Nam. Thanks for joining Ooh, us. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you've been traveling a lot, but right now you're uh, you're in sunny Tucson. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about like seventy degrees and it's sunny. It's great. Oh, dang. In December, it's awesome. <laughs> we should Sorry. trade. We're in we're in Missoula <laughs> and it's. Uh, I think the temperature outside currently is like eighteen degrees. So it's oh, big difference. forget that. <laughs> yeah. No um, thanks. Yeah. So for those that might not be familiar with you, can you t- tell us a little bit about how you got into bike touring and bike packing? Oh, touring and packing is like a whole different story. Um, so I mostly started uh, because I was gifted a, um, a touring setup by my partner. Um, and I've always kind of wanted to tour, but I didn't like the look of the extra cycle. You know, I think that's yeah. what in my head, um, three years ago, I had in my head that that's what touring looked like. Cause that's what people I knew who toured did. And I was like, that's really not for me. It seems like too much stuff. Um, so I got gifted this red stump jumper and, um, the first tour that I went on was, um, like in November of 2014 or 15, um, in Virginia. And I was literally going like three miles an hour, just like with not even that heavy of a setup, but you know, I think back on it right now, I'm like, wow, I was, I was such a little noob, but still a noob, but definitely going a little bit faster than three. Cool. Not by much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So was it, uh, essentially love at first sight when you first tried touring or was there kind of a little transition period where you had to get into it? That's a great question. Um, I th- like. I think I got a lot of emotions from that first tour. <laughs> Lots of feels. It, it was yeah, so many feels. Like you see my journal is like every day. It's very it's very scattered and lots of emotions, like conflicting ones too. Uh, it wasn't really love at first uh, ride or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, it but it was definitely um, healing. It was, it was time I had to myself to think about stuff without any kind of like external judgment or feeling that like external judgment. It was just, just me, you know, out there and I could do anything I wanted and not have to respond to a reaction someone else had, you know, whether it was like family or friends or even strangers. Um, and because I was traveling with my partner, I felt pretty safe and, Mm-hmm. Um, like nurtured in, in all of these emotions that I was experiencing and, and just the joy of it. So 
it wasn't necessarily love, but it was something that I <laughs> absolutely valued. You know, like I really, it really uh, changed <clears throat> how I have relationships with myself and um, and the world. So. Right. That's pretty significant, I yeah. think. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> that's the all inter- we fucking have. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an interesting point. Like, uh, you know, we interviewed uh, Sarah Swallow, and yeah. uh, you know, she kind of talked about the point that, you know, it looks good online, and until you try it, you might not actually like it, although it looks awesome. So it might, you know, it's something that's definitely, uh, you know, best thing ever for some people, but for others, you know, it might not, you know, it not, might not be living the dream exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, one of the cool things that you did recently was uh, you applied for the Blackburn Ranger program, got accepted. Can you tell us a little bit about that whole process and the trip that you guys did? Yeah. Um, so I applied because um, I was talking with my like sweetheart friend, Whitney, mm-hmm. uh, for Terry, and she was going to apply. And we were kind of talking like, should we apply? Should we? We decided to do it and kind of through the application process. So you have to make a video and do like a video plea and kind mm-hmm. of campaign for yourself in that way. Um, so during that campaign, uh, Whitney and I were scheming a little bit and we decided to um, make uh, make a call out to Blackburn to have all the Rangers be women mm-hmm. or trans femme, um, non-binary, like uh, just not dudes, right. uh, all of them. Cause that's never happened. We thought it, that would be really cool. Right. So in addition to our own campaigns to get selected as a Ranger, we were also, um, hoping to have that result. Right. Didn't happen <laughs> this year, but, um, <clears throat> maybe it'll happen at some point, but I thought that that was really, really empowering. Mm-hmm. and awesome and i think it engaged a lot of people and just l- kind of planted the the potential of what what that could be and what that could look like for the industry or right. like for ourselves um but yeah i did get selected and i selected switzerland because uh like it's it's like a fairyland <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> filled with like mystical creatures <laughs> playing the lute and like right. hopping down trees and stuff um so I wanted to go there also because there's like lots of Tibetans there. Um, I have a cousin there um, and politically it's been a really uh, like awful thing happening there and in lots of Europe for in terms of like uh, immigration policies mm-hmm. and like white nationalism kind of right. taking the helm. No surprise that it's in Europe. But um, so, yeah, the we ended up there. Um, the beginning, the first week of September, and it was like so cold. We went from, we went from like high summer in Connecticut to, like straight up winter in Connecticut in like essentially two days. Oh dang! And it was just like a really big shock. But I really wanted to finish the route. It was so so gorgeous. Like I've never seen anything like it before. Right. In terms of like bike infrastructure, it was incredible. Like the entire trail which is like 75% unpaved, was marked. There was like oh, wow. little springs <laughs> in every town. Right. Yeah. And you are literally going through fairylands. Like, you wow. know those Disney movies where there's like castles and like <laughs> little little provincial towns where people are like cobbling shoes or whatever they right. do in provincial towns? <laughs> that was happening, right. you know? And we had like, it was just like absolutely stunning. Cool. Um. And Blackburn gave me that opportunity. Like, I would have never been able to do that um, and experience that without, you know, their 
sweet bike and all the gear mm-hmm. and the travel stipend like that really helps out when you're a poor person trying right. to <laughs> take on the world on a bicycle right right so is that so really cool yeah so is that essentially that's that's uh, the the wrap up of the Blackburn. Do you guys have any other future projects down the pipe, or what's that well, look like? Well, I I'm gonna go back to Switzerland in the in the summer. Um, we're gonna be going back to uh, finish that route. I like I'm really committed to finishing it. It was really tough. Yeah. Like the elevation profile was like this. Oh dang. <laughs> <laughs> and like up here is like 10k and right. down here is like below 10, you know, yeah. it's it was crazy, but um with with these climbs like you get the views. Right. You know, like it's it's just amazing. So I I'd really like to finish that. Um not not as a ranger, but definitely like as a post ranger. Right. I don't know. The cool. black ranger. Yeah. Cool. So was that that whole experience pretty pretty positive uh, going through the the ranger program? I've always wondered. You know, I, I see their call out every year, and I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really amazing. Um, there's some really awesome folks in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda, who I was in contact with the most during my trip, is like this super solid person who um, is a really strong rider, and on top of it has like a really good head on her shoulders kind person and robin is like just like the sweetest person in the world yeah um and then there was lots of other folks who um who are part of like on the blackburn side who were just incredibly supportive and like right um pretty cool to hang around with and then like there's the other rangers who are also just Really, really funny, good people to get drunk with. (laughs) 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 Really, really fun. Like Pablo, who's traveling around um, Spain with his dog, Hippie, um, was was at like the camp, the pre-ranger camp this year. And they're just like the coolest. So it was it was overall like super positive experience. Cool. And I'd encourage everyone to apply for it. Yeah. Yeah, we got a chance to hang out with Robin for a couple of days during the Oregon Ramble ride. And uh, that was pretty cool, you know, because that was my first, like, interface with, like, the people behind the brand. And they seem all really, like, laid back and chill and, you know. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, super approachable. I mean, one of the first things that they told us was, like, the priorities for you and your adventure is just to have fun. And other than that, we don't really have that many expectations. Like, right. definitely send us pictures and right. journals which is what I was doing anyway. Um, but like have fun. And so like two weeks into it when we were battling snow <laughs> and cold and like, obviously I didn't prepare as well as I should have. Um, I was like, I'm not having any fun. Like right. it's not that fun <laughs> to be winter bike camping in the wild. So then we decided to go to Italy Yeah, and it was a lot better there yeah. weather wise. <laughs> Yeah. So it was like kind of a choose your own adventure. Like they gave you, um, they gave you suggestions on what route to do. But at the end of the day, it felt really empowering because I got to make my own decisions about what bike packing and what like fun mm-hmm. bike touring could be. Right. <laughs> so I did that. I did a pick your own adventure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so. I watched your uh, your Blackburn application video, and aside from like the biking aspect, it sounds like you have like a real like activist background. Do you feel like um, you know doing something like the Ranger program, or you know having 
uh, a platform on social media gives you um, just a place to, to talk about other issues that, that are important to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been, I've been uh, like active politically for a while. Um, I'm a Tibetan person. So like naturally you're born with like a <laughs> megaphone in your hand and a banner in your heart. Like, um, so uh, growing up, like going to up Tibetan National Uprising Day uh, marches, like our slogan is if someone is oppressed, then no one is free. Mm -hmm. um, so and then like mix that with um, like Buddhist teachings of empathy and compassion. Um, and so you, you've you've like created this this um, culturally uh, an activist because mm -hmm. like right. there's unfairness kind of everywhere. And I'm also a Libra, so like I see unfairness, and I'm like, "Ooh, that's not cool. That's yeah. not cool. We have to change that." Yeah. Um, so, I think social media is um, has been helpful in some ways, and then not in other ways. I think it's really good to broadcast a message, but I'm not sure how effective it is as um, as like uh, action. You know, I think it's really good to. To wake people up to something or give someone something that they haven't necessarily thought about but in terms of like the work the actual work right. um i'm not sure how effective it is um but it's definitely a good tool right. you know it's it's definitely a good tool i remember early in like activist days people would be like oh yeah i only have facebook to organize right. and it's like no you don't you have it to stock on your exes and the same shit that we all do yeah. You know, so it's like it just like has evolved in in like leaps and bounds. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool. Um, I try to be as as real as I can be, you know, like when I put politicized uh, you know, reactions out there, it's it's because like it impacted me for days and I was probably crying or right. like <laughs> laughing maniacally or something uh, for days. And like it just eats you up inside. So I have to. I have to put it out there because it's it's actually like me right. being real to myself. Yeah, right. yeah. I've yeah. always pondered that because it it seems like you know social media offers you uh, not just you specifically, but offers people like you know this this great reach. But uh, in some ways, people just kind of consume it for you know bread and circuses, right? For entertainment and yeah. not so much about some hard hitting stuff. Um, you know, sometimes I'll you know I'm tempted to post something, but I'm like, well, how how effective is that going to be really, um, you know, so it's kind of like tempering the message with the medium and trying to, I don't know, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And, and like putting yourself out there, like, as I was saying, the, like the real person that's, that you are out there is, you know, it's a pretty freaking intimidating because right. you don't, <laughs> you don't know what people's reactions are going to be. Right. Um, but I mean, so far it's been cool. I haven't gotten any death threats or anything, so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's a start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People uh, allow me to live. It's yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> so let's uh, let's kind of continue this thread um, with a uh, with a uh, social media bikepacking and gender and race. Um, you know, it seems I, I love your strategy of trying to get uh, Blackburn to to get all women. Uh, make them more visible. Why do you think the, the bike industry has such a, a tough time with that? Well, I think it has to do with a like a history of of uh, male supremacy and patriarchy within the sport. Um, 
it has to do with how races are structured, how women are still not allowed. And I think it's, it's just this like hegemonic thinking that has really set in. Um, and it's not, it's through no fault of people. I don't think they're actively trying to like, at at this point, um, they were definitely actively suppressing women from riding bicycles (laughs) like a hundred years ago, but, um, but today, I, I don't think it's it's active. I think it is uh, like default, you right. know, uh, default systems, default modes of operation. And um, part of why I think social media is useful is because it, it animates new like pathways in your brain of thinking. And I hope that people do it enough that we start we start seeing what's possible and kind of take a look at the water that we're around and figure out oh shit we're in water and we we're like trying to breathe over here right so um i I don't i think it's just that that hegemonic makeup of the culture um that doesn't see it but i see a lot of people trying to change that and i see a lot of like you know, industry people and otherwise on the small scale and the large scale trying to shift that a little bit, which is really, really cool. Um, and I think that cycling actually needs it. Right. Um, <laughs> like it, it, we, we need to be more than just like the same thing that we've been seeing. Cause that's kind of boring. Right. And yeah, I think for, for me personally, it's kind of, it's sad when I, you know, I flip through, uh, the Instagrams and, um, I'm always like, you know, scroll, scroll, scroll. And when I see someone that's, you know, not a white dude, like I stop and that's shocking to me. And it's sad that that, that it's shocking, you know? <laughs> and then you yeah. double click, you're like, 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 right, like, right, yeah. <laughs> you like, make sure you know who they are. Yeah. Cause I feel yeah. like in, in some ways, you know, I got in a touring in, um, in a 2007 ish, uh, before there was, you know, Instagram was really blown up, but I feel like if I was getting into it now and just seeing how, you know, who's doing it and how it's represented, I would be like, that's just for white people. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. That's not for and me. That's like, what I thought for years. Yeah. I, I don't see myself <laughs> in that like at all. So yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think the people who need it the most, I mean, like from, I can speak from my own experiences, like the, the, the clarity, the, um, like the clarity in not only your mind, but like in how you want to build bikes or like what kind of bike you want to ride. It's, it's like super empowering and connects you to yourself. And it gives you, or it gives me like as a person with lots of, um, trauma in my background, like it, it allows me to like go through that. However it comes out, you know, and I think that's super important for lots of people who have, like traumatic histories that they're trying to deal with. And most Mm. of those people tend to be like folks of color, women, trans, like people who have been the dirt kicked in their faces like the entire time. (laughs) So we see other people who are doing it and we hear stories about like, I think humans are one of the only creatures where like we need stories to like tell us who we are. And (laughs) we can, we can imagine these stories from, from people who look like us, you know, people who, are poor and they're like, okay, well, if she can get a bike somehow and do this somehow, then I think that I can. And it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. And, you know, whatever it is that people go through in their brains to get them to become active. <laughs> right. I think it's like, it, yeah, I think what's interesting is, um, the bike industry still views, uh, in some ways sponsorship, like an old school model, 
like, you know, we have to get this professional athlete, you know, and really kind of uh, broadcast their story and that'll inspire people. But for me, yeah. <laughs> for me personally, when I see that, it's like, that is so like far beyond my reality that it does no inspiration for me. But when I see regular folks, people that look like me that aren't, you know, the people that you typically see on the magazines, that's like more impactful. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, it, it, it also feels like you're being lied to when it's like a big company who's like pushing this person is like oh look at this look at this person look at their story and it's like whoa am i like (laughs) am i being the bachelorette or something Uh, and i'm not gonna get the rose at the end of the day anyway but like uh it does it does feel a bit deceiving and it social media is also great because it kind of like makes you have friends that aren't necessarily your friends but like you're still pretty tight with them somehow right (laughs) that's that's kind of cool it gives you that like sense of community that we don't necessarily have in our isolated pockets wherever we may be in the world you know you're in you're in missoula montana and it's like how many brown people are riding bikes over there right now so far one (laughs) (laughs) work on that one yeah Yeah, it's funny. I actually, um, bef- before moving here, uh, I looked at the, the I think, the 2016 census. And I was like, how many other Filipinos are there in Missoula? I think there were 36. <laughs> so I'm like number 37. <laughs> right on, 37. <laughs> so do you feel, um, is there a certain pressure that you feel to represent just to be visible and uh, to, to get people... Uh, people of color, other women uh, into bike touring, bike packing? No, I don't feel that pressure at all. Uh, <laughs> like, um, that's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe if I was like younger and I thought that like, and I, I did think I could change the world or whatever, but um, at this point, I, I don't think so. Uh, I And I particularly like don't re- really feel that pressure at all because I'm just – doing my own thing and uh like doing it from a place of choice on my on my own accord and something that I really like to do um so I hope that's enough uh, and I hope that translates over social media but (laughs) yeah yeah no no pressure but I definitely want to put the pressure on like the industry on the culture to make sure that like it's being seen but for myself I, I don't I don't feel it I get mad when I don't see enough brown people on bikes or that um, that that like Ferda girls video yeah. about mountain biking. I was like, man, a bunch of white girls are going to take Kendrick Lamar's song. God yeah. damn it. Um, but, you know, like it's uh, and I, I did feel a little bit of pressure to like kind of speak out against that. But. I'm not going to shit on other women cyclists who are feeling empowered, you know, um, I'm definitely not going to shit on that. So just like kept my mouth closed (laughs) and carried on with my day, ate my taco, went to sleep. (laughs) What are, um, do you have any ideas of like just easy things that bike shops or, or, um, you know, brands could do to kind of, you know, level the playing field and kind of facilitate this conversation? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think about my story and it's been about like opportunity. Um, like if I wasn't gifted my touring rig, um, I wouldn't have necessarily toured. Um, that opportunity was presented to me and I took it and I loved it. And 
Blackburn presented me with the opportunity to travel abroad. I haven't I haven't really done that at all because, you know, I didn't have a passport. I wasn't a citizen of the U.S., all this other stuff. So I think these opportunities come up and that might be different for like whatever bike shop or frame builder, like whatever your capabilities are of providing those opportunities for folks and just like trying to be a good person and realizing that people come into your shop or people come and ask you for a different frame with with a whole like personhood and not necessarily like uh, the most knowledge person about right. uh, bikes or frames <laughs> or whatever it is. And just to like share your knowledge in a way that is like cooperative and not like paternalistic or like condescending. Right. Um, I've definitely been paternalized <laughs> at and condescended at quite a bit. And that really like drew me off of cycling initially is like being 18 and going to a bike shop and being like, hey, can you turn this into a fixie? And they're like, no, that's right. stupid. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Um, so then you don't engage when you have these negative interactions with an industry or people. Um, you don't engage. You don't want to. It's like a right. it's like a self-preserving thing that we've learned as humans, and that's totally legit. So like, um, yeah. I mean, I'm not asking for too much here, just right. for people to be good. <laughs> just be good, people. Yeah. And you know, like to provide those opportunities. And when you see somebody who's kind of not the average. Uh, cyclist to to make sure you're giving like extra care and attention um, and you know like doing everything you can to make sure their experience is good mm -hmm. we people know how to do that we live in like this <laughs> hyper service in based industry you right. know like it it should be like that and I don't think it's too much to ask yeah to be I honest think, yeah I think it's kind of like interesting times in the bike industry it doesn't sound like it's doing very well lots of shops are closing and uh, part of that, I think, is like the value proposition for the bike shop has to change. They're not just a purveyor of goods, but they have to be like a third space, a community space, a place that, you know, enables, you know, new cyclists. Uh, so there is like a huge like service and an educational component that bike shops have to embrace. And uh, yeah. you know, so far I've seen like the ones that are like, we only sell stuff are like not doing well. And the ones that are kind of nurturing community are doing better. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because like you can, there is like, uh, there was, I think bicycle times or bicycling did an article on like how to make Amazon your bike shop, right. which, <laughs> like, which pissed off so many people and rightfully so, because it's like, if you don't have that relationship with somebody, you could be ordering the wrong size headset until the day you die and still not have a finished bike, you know, and right. you bring it to a bike shop that you know that you're like friends with and they're like, oh yeah, we got that. And it's three seconds, you right. have a bike. So I think it's really helpful to have these relationships, like you were saying, and like a sense of community around a bike shop. And I think bike shops are incredible for building that sense of community mm -hmm. um, and fun, like centered around being active and being outside and fun and creating your own aesthetic for a bike like that all that stuff is so fun to me mm -hmm. um and that's something that bike shops have nurtured and i hope will continue to nurture i hope people don't just order their shit on amazon <laughs> you know yeah um because you don't know what it's gonna look like on your bike you don't know how it's gonna feel You're, you know like all this stuff yeah all this stuff bicycling is very emotional so like you gotta be connected emotionally to it yeah, otherwise they have, they have like what be, the fuck are you doing yeah they have to be part therapist like i, I definitely yeah, think <laughs> totally <laughs> i mean i definitely feel like you know because of the internet 
um, you know, there's price transparency. So if someone's just trying to shop on, yeah. I just want the cheapest deal, you know, bike shop's going to lose. So they've got to have another like value proposition and whether that's service or just warm and fuzzy from being like, you know, a good shop people like that's something that they have to like really promote and focus on. Yeah. yeah. So do you have, totally. so, so speaking of that, do you have any, what's been a, a couple of your favorite bike shops that you've, you've visited? Um, I love Golden Saddle, of yeah. course, <laughs> in LA. Um, those dudes are like so freaking nice and welcoming. And when I'm imagining like bike shops in terms of what they can be and what they can provide for the community, like I'm thinking about Golden Saddle. Right. Um, there's just people chilling like in in their like uh, hallway kind of thing outside <laughs> and like there's so many beautiful things to look at but there's also like a full-scale bike shop and the people who come in there are just like really friendly it does feel like there's a sense of community there um that's the only like bike shop outside of and in tucson there's so many like there's a bikeist which is called which is like a non-profit but mm -hmm. they get donated bicycles and then they like strip the parts and offer services and um, skills to the community um, on the cheap. Like they right. do such such good work, and they're they've they're like a pillar of the community here in Tucson. Um, so, like I can't I can't even I couldn't even imagine <laughs> something as wonderful as Bikus, like, yeah. you know, that exists outside of this. Um, there's another bike shop in Tucson. There's so many good ones in Tucson. Have you, have you been to Transit um, yet? Yes. Yeah, yeah I was going to mention Transit, of course, with Duncan, who is incredible and such a champion of like everything I believe in. Um, my friend Mo works there, too. She's like a lady mechanic, right. um, which is really, really awesome to see. Like, I almost never expect <laughs> there to be like a woman mechanic. And you walk into transit and there's Mo and there's like Duncan, who's like a brown man. Right, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's like, wow, what's going on at this shop? Right. You know, that's very different than anything else I've ever seen. So transit is like amazing too. Um, there's also a blue dog that just opened up, which has got oh, a cool. really nice, like easy vibe. Um, yeah, lots of really amazing bike shops and people who work within bike shops like bikus also has a women trans femme night which i'd never even seen before like right. bikus is the first place i learned about wtf like mm -hmm. women trans femme, like that people were actually using those letters um to represent an entire group of people and i was like hell yeah like yeah. that's that was that, that was a seed that was planted and so yeah there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of love <laughs> shops <laughs> yeah um, around here and otherwise yeah well let's talk about wtf uh for a second we uh chatted with sarah and she had mentioned uh the D wtf bike explorer summit that that uh you're a part of as well i heard yeah yeah, yeah. that's gonna be i jumped on um like about a week ago or two weeks ago yeah, yeah. so what's kind of the, the the plan and vision for that Do you have a um yeah first of its kind um and it's all women organizing it, uh, women and like non-binary folks organizing it, which is really, really cool. Um, it's going to be like clinics and workshops during the, the longish weekend. It's going to be from August 16th to the 19th in, in Montana yeah. at the Whitefish <laughs> Bike Retreat. Um, 
and we're imagining like people kind of descending on there like with little <laughs> mini bike tours to to bike fish or like um uh like the way swift industry does their um the camp out the camp outs like that would be cool to have ice people who can't make it would run their own like regional version of it um and i think just like people coming together who have had these identities or had beef with the cycling industry because they weren't represented or like they do the shrink it and pink it thing. Someone right. wrote that. I thought that was brilliant. Um, like, I think that just being around other people and like there's lots of activities happening, but I think the, the thing that's really magical to me is just getting these folks that I know I'm going to love like, <laughs> together in one place doing something that we all really like to do. Um, and the future, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but for me, like the future of whatever WTF, um, bike summit is, is going to be dependent on the participants and like what we want. I think that's, that's a really cool feeling <laughs> to like have an assembly of the Thundercats from everywhere. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Take down Skeletor or whatever. Um, different show. Yeah, um, Voltron. <laughs> it's like when the the lions come together. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I think just like the gathering is is pretty good. Why do, um, why do you think it's important to create that that safe space? Um, I'm not sure how safe this space is going to be. Uh, I've tried to create lots of safe spaces that are definitely not safe yeah. uh, for lots of people because it's like everyone comes in with different experiences right. and might not necessarily like there's for, for lots of people, there's no such thing as safe space. Right. Um, but to have a gathering of people where their like intention is to make sure that everyone is feeling okay. And right. um, why do I think that's important? Yeah. Um, gosh, uh, so many reasons. Um, <laughs> I guess like, like it doesn't exist, right. you know, cause it doesn't, it doesn't exist right now. And, uh, I am a big proponent of like having people who have been invisible, uh, visibilized and empowered, um, because I think it changes the entire like narrative and power structure of how the world works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really big picture, but, um, yeah, I think it's important for people to be, to feel seen and to, to feel heard and to have a sense of community. So they're not feeling like they're alone. Right. Um, because like right now we isolate more and more. Um, and it's because the world is an unsafe place for lots and lots of people, um, especially mm -hmm. women. Like we can barely walk down the street without getting our safety compromised. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's really important for us to all come together and to understand that that, you, that we're not alone in this and that we're not crazy and right. we're not we're not going to let ourselves be gaslighted or, you know, whatever it is, that there is an actual reason for us to be together. Right. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it, it moves me to tears a lot of the times, my yeah. sense of it. <laughs> like, it's, it's, a uh, yeah, I have, I have big hopes for this, obviously. Cool. <laughs> We're going to get together and patriarchy's going to be over by the time September comes. <laughs> it's going to be done. <laughs> have you, have you been to the Whitefish Bike Retreat before? I've never been. I've never been to Montana. No. 
Uh, but I got a hitchhiking ride with a trucker once, and he said that Montana was the most beautiful place on the planet that he's ever been to. Yeah. That I should definitely go. So. <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, kind you, truckers. Yeah. Love Montana. <laughs> Although the bike retreat, uh, Whitefish Bike Retreat, you, I think you'll enjoy it. It's a super cool space. Uh, Cricket, the owner, is like super rad. Um, definitely like someplace special. So. Cool. That's what I hear. Yeah. That's what I hear. And it like I think place is also really really important too. You know, like a, a sense of place as displaced people. Like I'm sure. You yeah. can kind of understand yeah. what I mean by that, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. Uh, well, let's. Uh, there's one more topic that I want to uh, touch on before we wrap up, and it's this kind of like recurring question I'm asking all our or most of the guests is this idea of behind the hashtag. You know, like especially like now uh, with social media, um, and sometimes we feel like compelled to portray a certain image or sometimes people assume like a certain lifestyle by the imagery we portray. Um, you know, is it all like bike rides and puppies and rainbows or, you know, what's the, what's, what's, what are the challenges of, of living like the biking semi-nomadic lifestyle? <laughs> yeah. Um, butt sweat is a big one. <laughs> you know about that butt yeah. sweat life. Um, like you're playing with puppies and like dealing with that perpetual swamp ass. Um, uh, like safety is a big one because uh, most of the times we're wild camping and it's like uh, just the stress of finding a place that's secluded enough, but also like a place that you want to call home for the night. Yeah. That, that always gives me a little anxiety. Um, what are some other little things that like making sure there's like there's always that that juggle of uh shit, I don't have enough water and food, but my bike is so light right now. And then like, and, and you're kind of like marching to, to heavy ass bike. Right. And so then there's, there's that, like the heavy bike days, um, going uphill and downhill. And, um, yeah, I don't, I, Aside from the butt sweat stuff uh, <laughs> and just kind of like rolling into town, the thing that that always gets me or I think it's kind of funny is like rolling into a town or like a really nice place looking like total trash bags. <laughs> <laughs> like you look so bad. You probably smell bad too a little bit. Yeah. And you're with really nice people. But it's like it, that that always gets me and i think that's also kind of fun because as you get to challenge people's perceptions of like what's socially acceptable in a certain situation and then you destroy it <laughs> <laughs> so that's that stuff is really cool um i can't necessarily think of any like dark sides of bike touring because they're such fleeting moments like um because overall what i remember is like the puppies and the rainbows <laughs> and the joy um, I also have a really amazing travel partner, like, and pre everyone I've been on bike tour with has been the coolest people on the planet, um, really. Like, Sarah is one of them. I totally fell in love with Sarah, and, like, the DFL crew from Baja were also awesome. So it's, like, I'm, I'm learning that when you travel with people and, like, and you're bike touring with people, it, it really makes the whole experience 
more fun and you laugh about the butt sweat and then you stick your ass in the fire to like dry it out as a group it's really nice instead of just pathetically doing it with like your partner whose butt and balls you've seen over and over and over again like I'm, I'd be like eating something and I turn around and I'm like okay <laughs> there it is <laughs> there it is um, I have found that baby powder like I, I've started carrying baby powder <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> I don't do that. No? I don't do baby powder. Damn. <laughs> it just drives things out and, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it sounds like you're in Tucson. Is this like quasi-permanent or are you just, just kind of base camping there for a while or what's, yeah, what's next? Yeah, yeah. Here for a little while. Um, it's definitely been a nice refuge away from the cold and the harshness of New England. Um, which I'm so used to it actually still feels a little weird that it's December and right. it kind of <laughs> feels like this, but, um, yeah, like for all the reasons listed before, I, I love Tucson. There's a really healthy bike community here. Like there's transit with Duncan and Mo and our other roommate Colin is at Bikus. I feel like I can do anything. Like I already went on incredible rides like within the first week I got here um there's just a really nice supportive nurturing community and I can build whatever bike I want (laughs) here because there's so many resources for people who um who are like new to bike building and but still really want to learn about this stuff yeah yeah cool sweet uh well thank you so much for uh being a, a guest on our youtube channel And uh, if you guys enjoyed this video, don't forget to subscribe and like. And if you have suggestions for future guests, leave those in the comments below. And thank you once again, Nam. Uh, Enjoy your time in Tucson. Thanks, Russ. Yeah, It was a pleasure. Yeah, so good. I want to thank Nam again for being a guest on the show. And if you guys like this podcast, be sure to subscribe so it gets magically transported to your listening device of choice via the interwebs. We live in amazing times, people. Talk to you next time.